0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Breaking Mayberry, the only podcast that's 100% tax deductible. I'm one of your hosts, Marty I'm Marty Schneider. <laughs> the other host
1: <was> Dan ludwig
0: <laughs> i forgot my name for yeah. a second. i was so caught up in that great great gag I, oh, intro the gag. thing
1: people love to think about right now is their taxes yeah i
0: love it i mean i don't know dude it's it's early april hello we're breaking mayberry we are a show about old television specifically the andy griffith show uh and uh, we've been, if you're a listener, you might be a little annoyed with us right now. We've been a little weird on the schedule, but I have a good reason. I got COVID. This guy
1: got COVID so hard. I... <laughs> it was nuts, you guys. <laughs> he got locked in a room. He didn't even, like, it was, it was a room. Basically got put into solitary confinement. It was
0: awesome. Uh, my beliefs on prison abolition have skyrocketed to the extreme. <laughs> Holy crap! I had video games and the internet and stuff, and I went nuts in four days. Uh, I'm I'm really upset that Sarah tested, you know, positive because I was trying to keep it from her. That's why I was locked in there. But also, as soon as I was able to open up the door, I was like, it was like the beginning of Frozen. I
1: was like, open up the gates. <laughs> I thought it was going to be like Shawshank Redemption, where you're like, I'm institutionalized. I don't know how to live in the outside world. Uh, it's. It's awesome because you were hands down, the carefulest person I know, and you got it, and we know somebody that's in Miami right now, just yeah. clubbing twenty four seven yeah clean as a whistle, yeah, yeah uh so I, uh in in summation, God is real, and he fucking hates marty <laughs>
0: uh i I'm gonna tell you a story that serves as pretty good evidence to that. I'm most of the way recovered uh when this story happens. By the way, I'm fully negative now. Uh so
1: So I'm safe for anybody yeah. that was concerned.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I'm not giving <laughs> I'm not giving Dan COVID through Zencaster. <laughs> We're not yeah. in the same. Uh but so I was about eighty percent of the way recovered feeling, you know, pretty, still kinda crappy. And it was like a Saturday no. Nope. It was it was Sunday night. Or Sunday afternoon, and just off in the distance, I can hear outside of my apartment beep, 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 mm-hmm. over and over and over again. And it, it's clearly like a, a, a fire alarm or like a burglar alarm or something. You know, there's some sort of alarm that's been going off, and it goes off for hours for several hours. And I'm not, I, I'm sitting there, like, I have this real issue, like, I don't want to call anyone. Like, I don't want to be responsible for getting one of my neighbor's doors kicked in. Mm-hmm. So I guess I'm just going to sit here and, and suffer with beep, beep, beep. And, like, that's happened before. Alarms have gone off in the neighborhood, and then eventually it turns off. But never so close to me that it's, like, in my apartment. Never so, like, nearby, and, and, and never for so long. Eventually, eventually, I see a fire truck pull up and stand on the corner by my house. And three fire and I. By the way, and I also can't go anywhere. Remember, I'm I still have COVID, so right. I can't go and check on anyone. You know, uh. But I watch the fire department pull up. I watch the firefighters get get out, and I go out onto my deck, my balcony, so that I can like talk to them. And the the beeping stops there's no more beeping and i kind of look over my balcony and I go hey guys what happened what was it and he goes and the f- firefighters go it was this trash can there is a trash can outside of my uh-huh. house on the on the other uh, on the like side corner that i don't know who it belongs to but it's pretty much been used as a dumping ground for all the construction that goes on uh-huh. some fucking landlord some dickhead uh Changed all of the smoke alarms in their building, and then left a pile of them, just a <laughs> pile of dying smoke alarms, in a trash can outside my bedroom window.
1: That is an act of terrorism. De- like Homeland Security should fucking take that person in. You should be tried without, like, like, executed without trial for that shit.
0: Anyway, the, the firefighters just, like, press the buttons and turn them off. And then they go, you know, all right, well, nothing's on fire here, so bye. <laughs> Waste of our fucking time. And I was like, cool, glad I pay taxes. And uh,
1: so they we were in the middle of doing sweet fireman shit, yeah. like having a kick ass chili cook off or something. So they leave.
0: They brought the big truck too, man. It wasn't like as There was a big truck parked outside. For they nothing. don't. They
1: have to bring the big truck no matter what it is. Like they don't have a little fire truck. <laughs> it's insane.
0: So they take off and it's silent for a little bit. So I go to bed. I take some NyQuil, which means I am too unconscious to do anything. But what gets me through that? What Like what cuts through that NyQuil at one in the morning? Beep 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 beep. So finally, like when I'm out of my drug-induced like stupor at like eight in the morning, I get up, toss on a sweater and a hoodie, and like Sarah's like, "What are you doing?" And I'm sitting there like I go I go to the closet, I pull out a a, a hammer, and I'm walking <laughs> around the the apartment like 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 a psychopath just humming to <laughs> myself like dee 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 beep and I walk downstairs with a mask and, like, in a, in a robe, basically. And it's, like, 8 in the morning. And I just, you know the scene in Office Space? Mm-hmm. You know this, the, the one I'm talking about, the printer scene? I smash every one of these fucking <laughs> smoke detectors. I take the one that's beeping. I throw it on the ground. I, sm- I bruise my heel. Okay. Like I, like I had trouble walking for two or three days because I just like put my my foot down, and but I also realized, oh, it's eight in the morning. People can see me. Like someone, mm-hmm. like like someone walks out across from from across the street. I know she heard it all night, so she's mm-hmm. like sees me just smashing it to bits, and I just wave. Here's the other thing: I look like a psychopath pretty yeah. much all the time. Like, but I've got my my hair just stranded. A small ch- a man walking his child to school sees me smashing smoke alarms with a hammer and just like whisks him across the street. So anyway, the You're point a is, a Philly urban legend. Now the point is, I have to move.
1: Yeah, <laughs> you you really have to be careful about what you do in a bathrobe because like you turn into the big Lebowski real fast. I wasn't actually in a bathrobe,
0: but I was in, I was definitely in like like sweatpants and a hoodie, like. <laughs> Like I was very clearly in my 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 like night clothes, but yeah, no, I will tell you though, satisfying, straight, like incredibly oh, satisfying. The... the one of the best feelings I've ever had in my life.
1: The closest I have ever been like moved to violence is um at our old place uh at I'm gonna say it was at three a.m. A car alarm started going off, um. And it must have been nowhere near the person that parked it. They must have like parked like blocks away from their house, because it went off from three a.m. to like nine a.m. on a weeknight, and at like it would it would go off for a little while, just long enough that you think, all right, you it's over. You
0: think it's you think it's clear.
1: Yes. Yeah. It, like like yeah. it would go off for thirty minutes. And then it would blast right back on. And around seven a.m., I basically I, I seriously considered. I was like, if I got out and I took a baseball bat and I started smashing up that car, I, I made the calculation: Would a cop arrest me for it if I explained what had happened? And I, th- I basically came to the conclusion of like, yes. But barely, it is barely. Like, yeah, I, mean, if you, I
0: you you live in South Philly, there's basically no rules as far as vehicles go. There, like South Philly is essentially the Mad Max universe.
1: Yeah, I think if I, it would depend on the cop and what their quota is, because if it was like the end of the month and they had to they had to make some arrests, then I'd be screwed. But if I came up and and the cop was like, "Hey, what's going on here?" and I was like, "Oh, you know, this car alarm has been going off since three a.m., so I'm caving in its windshield." He'd be like, all right, carry on.
0: It I mean, it really depends, like, whether or not there's a twisted metal, like, vehicular warfare-style battle going along, <laughs> yeah, going true. on outside of FDR Park at any given moment.
1: I did live in a block where people would regularly film dirt bike videos. Like, they oh, would just do fun. laps yeah. and, like, show off their sick bike. Um, So they had bigger fish to fry.
0: So, before we get into today's episodes, I do want to... Uh give a, a an alert to some astute like close listeners people uh-huh. who pay way more attention to this show than they really should you may have noticed that we had to go back into our archive uh and make a change to an episode title dan would
1: you like to explain what happened all right so a uh, couple of uh a couple of months ago um i got a i got a job a great job um and in the process of getting of, of being interviewed for that job, um, I had to do a video call, and um, the, the person that was interviewing me, my my boss, uh, said, "Hey, that's a really intense mic uh, that you got there. Do you use it for video game streaming?" Uh, and I was like, "Well, I don't want him to think I'm a video game screamer, so I'll tell him that <laughs> I have a podcast, which is <laughs> totally better." And I was like, oh, "It was for my podcast," and we had like a brief conversation about it was like, oh, you got podcasts? What is it about? And I was like, um, film and TV criticism. And I was like, nothing going, be- giving him nothing beyond that. Absolutely not. And he was like, oh, that's cool. Um, and since then, I have been on a very, very strict thing of like, I'm not going to tell anybody about my fucking podcast because I don't want to be podcast guy at work. I don't want to be in a conversation. I don't want to be in like a work meeting and someone's like, well, hopefully Dan doesn't podcast about this. Like, (laughs) like I come in on a Monday. like, Hey, Dan,
0: do any good podcasting this week? Let me tell you, dude, one time I got into an argument with my dad about, Oh, you've told this story. Yeah. I'll tell it again. One time I got in my, an argument with my dad about something. I don't even remember what it was. I think I was right. Uh, Mm Mm-hmm. But he, like, still won the argument because when I, when I proved that I was right, he turned around and said, yeah, well, why don't you go and make a fucking podcast about it?
1: And now imagine if that happened when I'm in an argument with, like, Susan from Risk Assessment. Annihilation. Like, <laughs> an absolute yeah, annihilation. I would have to quit my job. So um, it's come up, like, my, my boss has mentioned it a couple of times, very innocently, just like, oh, yeah, Dan has a podcast. And every time I'd be like, Shh. Oh God!
0: Um. Anyway, get to the point.
1: And um, I was in a meeting with all yeah. my immediate coworkers. Yeah. Um, and uh, I was having difficulty with the lap with the microphone on my work laptop. And my boss said, "Well, Dan, is this how you go about podcasting?"
0: Oh, um,
1: and in front of everyone, in front of everybody, and my coworkers were all like.
0: What
1: blood <laughs> in the water? <laughs> like, just absolutely. They were like, Dan, what the fuck is your podcast about? And I was like, I'm not telling you guys. And they were like, Come on, give us a hint. You have to give us a hint. And I was like, I don't have to tell you people, shit. Um, and then it was announced, uh, by one of my uh, one of my teammates, that uh, there was a $10 bounty on whoever can find my podcast. Luckily. Uh, Dan Ludwig is a surprisingly common name. I got a lot of cover. Uh, it saved me from a lot of background checks. Thank you, Daniel Ludwig, the invisible billionaire. Some real estate fuckface who's been keeping covering my ass since I was 12. Um. Yeah. That, that's um, the phrase you
0: want to go with? All right, cool. Let's yeah, going. I'm going to go with that. Yeah. All right, all right. Move on. Uh, uh,
1: um, so... Uh, <laughs> I I give you a heads up. You're you're deep in the COVID minds at this point, right? Um, and I was like, you sent me a text, <laughs> and the text was, uh, "Listen, I know we have bigger fish to fry, uh, but I want to let you know that uh, my coworkers found out I have a podcast, and there's a ten dollar bounty on who can find it, and then I left you min- I left
0: you on red. I left yes. you on red for five hours.
1: Oh God, yeah, it was very long. And uh, later I'm like. Uh, out with friends, and I just see, um, like, I just see, I'm playing fucking D&D at this point, and I just check my phone really quick, and your response is, Dan, the first result for Dan Ludwig podcast is Dan Ludwig Orgy Concierge, a title for an episode of our podcast. Uh, and when we recorded that and decided to name the podcast in it, there is definitely a Discord message where I say, LOL, it's awesome that we're ruining SEO for my name. <laughs> yeah,
0: so Dan Ludwig, Orgy Concierge, uh, which is now entitled A Perfectly Normal Dan Episode. I, 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 honestly, man, I think that's one of your best episodes. If you're gonna get found out, like, you're real, it's a good episode.
1: No, it's an absolute shame. I mean, I guess A Perfectly Normal Dan Episode is as good of a title for one of ours as as anything. It's I guess it's about as good as where else are we going to find a big pile of hay? Um, not For some miss- reason
0: that's our most popular episode regularly. Oh,
1: God, um, <laughs> I do. I do just want to relay the message. Um, if you are one of my coworkers and you have uh, won the contest and discovered this episode of the podcast, get out of here. <laughs> <You> get. <laughs> You get, picture me. I'm in. I have a double barrel shotgun, and I'm in wearing overalls, and I am a hillbilly yelling you to get off of his property. You get out of here. You're not welcome in these parts. You go, and don't you? You don't tell anybody what you heard.
0: So this is just about as good a reason as any to shift into the actual episodes today. Get this out is, of here. This is a long. This is a long intro because I don't think we're going to talk about these episodes for very long. Uh, so I <clears throat> we've mentioned before that like seasons in the 60s lasted a lot longer than seasons today. Mm-hmm. Even your know, your standard your standard episode or like your standard TV season now is like 16, 18, 22 episodes at the most. Mm-hmm. Every one of these goddamn Andy Griffith seasons is 32 episodes long. And I think yeah. that the following episodes were kind of one of the reasons why they decided to shorten it, because yeah. these are straight up reruns. They're Seriously? technically they're technically new episodes, but they are beat for beat, plot by plot, stuff that we have done before, or it's like remixes of of like elements before. But these are, we've done this before. We're shutting yeah. up and playing the hits, and not even the hits are not even that interesting. Both of these episodes are
1: repeats. Really? Like, we we made a decision where we were like is this when we finally just skip an episode we've skipped episodes before for they were for like political reasons um this is the first one we're like is an episode finally so boring that we're gonna skip it and you called an audible and said no we're gonna do them um and then i went to watch them uh and fell the fuck asleep uh, the first time ever actually hard passing out to one of these uh, TV show episodes uh, and had to watch them on the train right before this. So good I mean, call, probably going mean, to be a barn burner.
0: It, it's going to be we're, we're going to have to f- have fun. Let's let's start with the, uh, you know, what's funny. Normally when we do these uh, these furs, We start with the more interesting episode. I don't know which one of these is more interesting. So we're going to go with uh, season four, episode twenty eight. The Return of Malcolm Merriweather.
1: Yeah. Um uh, I, f- airs, I feel like I feel like we can describe this in like twelve minutes twelve seconds. It Easily. airs April 20th, 1964,
0: written by Harvey Bullock, directed by Kobe Ruskin. Uh here's your one cent summary from Wikipedia. Malcolm Merriweather, by the way, if you don't remember who Malcolm Merriweather is, uh he's the weird little British dude that was Andy's butler for one episode. Uh, and I think we both agreed that we liked that guy, right? He was
1: adorable. He's, he remains adorable. We loved having
0: him. But anyway, Malcolm Merriweather returns to Mayberry doing housework and cooking for Andy and making Aunt Bee feel unneeded. Mm -hmm. All right. So, I mean, I, I don't feel the urge to go beat by beat on this, but basically, yeah, this is what happens, uh, we have a scene of Andy and Barney jawjacking. jacking. Barney does his bullshit about his weird. Barney talks about uh, 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 his blood sugar a lot. How he yeah. has a how he has a clock in his stomach, and he has to always eat at certain times, uh, or yeah. else his sugar blood will go down. you are getting ta- a
1: lot of mileage about of the fact that this character becomes hungry at normal intervals. They're <laughs> really being like, "That's this is what we're gonna lock on to." And he does the, my
0: mother was like that thing again, too, which is super Norman Batesy. Every time he brings up that, I don't know why he makes that a point. Like, you know, my mother had that thing, too. Who gives a fuck? Who cares, my man? But he does it a lot. I don't know what the joke is. I don't know what I'm supposed to laugh at. I don't understand any of it, but they do it all the time. Uh,
1: Yeah, it, like... I, I, after a certain point, I feel like, has the com, am I, has the comedy part of my brain just been burnt to a crisp by this show? Like, is there something, are we just like taking it too seriously and this was actually like perfectly fine? Or was it, or am I sane? And it was just two men having a very normal conversation. It's
0: it's two men having a very normal conversation about the why a woman is late with
1: their lunch. That's what, the cause of this is. Uh, Just a, a character saying, hey, I get hungry around lunchtime and a character going, Oh, do you? And a character saying, yes. And the other character saying, that's neat. And then (laughs) basically Andy does like, like Barney gets mad because he's like, you're talking shit on my mom. And Andy just goes, so your mom gets hungry at lunchtime. And he's like, fuck you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) You went too far, man. Dan is not exaggerating what happens in this scene. And shows up, drops off tuna fish sandwiches and leaves. Uh mm. and then they sit there eating their sandwiches. Barney, by the way, not even a fucking blood relative, complaining mm-hmm. about his sandwich being late. Shut up, Barney.
1: Uh, Son of a bitch.
0: So he's sitting they- they're sitting there and Andy goes, Boy, that Aunt B sure does a lot. I hope that I wonder if she knows how much we appreciate her. Well, guess there's no way I could ever be <laughs> sure of that.
1: This yeah, this is the most half-assed way to deal with this situation. It's another episode that is entirely predicated on everybody being a fucking idiot. Uh,
0: Malcolm Merriweather shows up. They hear a commotion outside, and there's Malcolm riding his bicycle on the wrong side of the road, really in the middle of the road. And they so, go,
1: hey. So, basically, Malcolm's deal is that uh, he's a hobo butler. Yeah! <laughs> he's He's a freelance hobo butler who travels the land being a butler for people like
0: which he he just wanders around like will press socks for money like
1: is what does he do cuz he's been like i've been traveling america and i've been butlering to make uh, to be able to afford things because things are so expensive here in america um, on his bike is he traveling america
0: by bike yes he doesn't seem to have any suitcase or anything he, he says he says that he wants to make his way up to Gettysburg next, which is
1: hundreds of miles away. Yeah. He must be putting it on the front of a bus. That's the only explanation. Mm. The, my best guess. But he's uh he I like how is he going about soliciting uh like soliciting being someone's personal live in butler without getting arrested for prostitution? Like there's no way to pitch that of like, I would come to your house and service you on a regular basis. And the cop just doesn't go like, all right, buddy, come on. We've heard this song before.
0: He, he comes in, he, he eats lunch with uh, Andy and Barney and they say, you know, well, Andy gets a, an idea. He gets the idea that he's going to show his appreciation for Aunt B by giving her some time off, getting her some help so she doesn't have to do so much work. He's yeah. Gonna, he's, he goes, come on, Malcolm. You're gonna come and and work for us for a few days or whatever. They bring Malcolm home. Remember the last time Malcolm showed up, it was uh, one of the many episodes where Aunt B has to go out of town for some reason. Yeah. So
1: she's barely ever encountered this man. I think. And, and in the past, his thing was he's a very good butler, but also he's overbearing and like borders on harassment, and he's too much. Um. And in this he's just like the omni butler. He's right. just like he's like the house from Smart House. Like he's just everywhere with whatever you need. Yeah, so um,
0: so he, they come they come in they say hello Aunt B. Malcolm's going to do work for you now. Uh and that's the next couple of scenes. He just he cleans. He gets he gets Opie to dress nicely. He puts Opie to bed. He makes the, he does magic
1: tricks. The nah. whole thing is very much uh, based on the fact that Ampy at no point says that she wants this. She is at no point like, oh, hell yeah, butler. I'm going to kick back. Crack open a Mai Tai. Love it. She's like, oh, this is fine, I guess. No, Ampy
0: actually reacts like an addict going through withdrawal. Yes. Like she she kind of wanders around the house itching herself, looking for that next hit of dirty clothes.
1: Right? Yeah. And taking... Massive psychic damage anytime they appreciate anything Malcolm Merriweather does.
0: I fucking hate the way that they've done Aunt B. I hate the characterization of Aunt B at this point. This is one of multiple episodes that have basically just like, turned Aunt Bee into, like, a, a fucking magical enchanted item from Beauty and the Beast.
1: Basically.
0: Like, Life is so unnerving for an Aunt Bee that's not serving. Like, she loses her fucking mind. and It's because she has She's no personality. basically a sentient Roomba. It's because she has no personality. No one has ever valued her or ever
1: given her time to do anything. She's developed into the saddest creature because, like, I don't remember, was early Aunt B? she was, like, internal life and wants and dreams, and now she is, like, Aunt B do dishes, Aunt Bee dishes done, Aunt Bee make dinner, dinner done, Aunt Bee clean, Aunt B go back to her little hutch to recharge, like, she is a fucking machine, and if you just take, like, an immediate household chore out of her hands, she just goes, why do I exist?! why what was that what is the point of me like if she's not immediately com- accomplishing a medial chore she's screaming to the heavens in an, an existential despair
0: I, I i got my animated movies wrong she's the fucking air conditioner from brave little toaster yeah the one, the one that freaks out and sparks and dies at the very yes. beginning of the movie because <laughs> no one's I using think. her anymore
1: yes it's deeply sad she's not like oh i have time off i'm gonna go visit friends out of state or i'm gonna go read or something the the thing is they're like all right Ampy is in a horrible depression because she's not doing menial labor let's get her back to doing menial labor so she'll be happy and not like let's take Ampy on a much needed vacation to discover herself
0: it's, it's the classic Andy Griffiths thing of, if you are one thing, you will always be that thing. You can never be anything other than that thing. And you'll be unhappy if you don't get to be that thing. Yeah. Like, that's, that's pretty much it. Everybody, everybody in Mayberry kind of wanders down to the most basic elements. I fucking... Imagine being Francis Bavier and having to do this shit. Yeah. When was the last time we saw Aunt B teach a lesson? When, yeah. was when was the last time Opie learned anything from Aunt When was the last time Opie interacted with Aunt B? Like, yeah. she's not there for any particular reason other than to be a fucking house like other than to be a vacuum cleaner. I hate what they've done to Aunt B. It infuriates me. This episode is ostensibly an Aunt B episode, <laughs> right? This is an episode about Aunt B, but she's hardly in it. She like, has
1: like three lines.
0: It's everyone around her talking about her. The ultimate resolution here is that uh, Opie and Malcolm have a moment. Opie s- mentions that Auntie used to sing while she was working. And Malcolm goes, really? I've never heard your, your aunt sing. And she goes, well, he doesn't sing any. She doesn't sing anymore. But when she was working, she would be so happy and she would sing. And so Malcolm... Rather than just leave... <laughs> Because he's only supposed to be there temporarily anyway, this is the part that gets me. Malcolm has already declared his intention to leave. he's only there for a few fucking days okay but rather than just bail Malcolm's plan here is to pretend like he's drunk on the job
1: and and just the guy that plays Malcolm I, I think he's a he's a good actor he's an he's a a delightful little guy I like I like a little guy he's like a little little little, little scamp. dude. Well yeah, little little dude. He's like a little Pokemon. Um this has gotta be the worst drunk acting I have ever seen. I, I mean and I get that is... he's
0: supposed to be fake drunk. Like
1: he's not really drunk. No, it's like it's like they've never seen a drunk person. Like He it's how you would
0: act if you were like a kid that like had a glass of champagne and was trying to pretend that you were drunk in front of your friends.
1: You know, when you're drunk and you act like you're hooked up to a malfunctioning invisible jetpack. Yeah, and you just kind of rock it all over the room. If you showed me that person and said, this person is actually literally drunk. I'd say this person needs to go to the fucking hospital for alcohol poisoning or something worse because they have been spiked with like DMT.
0: But he just kind of wanders around going,
1: I'm British. I can't it's find a ladle. Bad. And it's it goes so on bad. forever. It's the showcase it's of the so fucking episode. Long. It's it's it, Yeah, it's their big piece. It's their big, like, we've got this guest star and it's... Because the show takes place in a dry county, so none of these characters have, have know what a drunk person is like. But it's like... Except, yes, they do. They see Otis every day. Right, yeah. But it's like... Yeah, what the fuck? Od- How Smith is a great drunk actor. It's like the people writing the scene had never seen a drunk person, so they were doing some sort of meta writing where they're like, like uh, uh,
0: li- "Again, though, again, Malcolm's not really drunk. He's no. pretending to be drunk.
1: No, so he's, he's just
0: doing-, doing a bad job of of pretending.
1: Uh, yeah, it's such a bad job of pretending to be drunk that it's like, it's like."
0: I- and for some reason, our heroes, Andy and Barney, they, they fall for it immediately. Like Andy should be able to go, no, you're not. Yeah. You're not, you're not fucking drunk. Knock it off. Like,
1: Yeah. So rather than just being like, hey, man, um, your aunt is super depressed um, based off of the fact that I'm doing her job. Um, maybe you could uh, pick up on that by the fact that she's locked herself in her bedroom and is wailing constantly. Um, or the fact that, you know, if you look at her face... Look, do you do you, you know the difference between a frown and a smile? You see how it's almost exclusively doing a frown. It's bad. It, it it's funny. Like this entire the entire episode. If you were an Andy Griffith
0: fan, you would you would say that this is an episode that shows that Andy cares about uh, Aunt B. He's just misplaced. His care is just misplaced. But he's got a weird way of caring in that he doesn't pay attention to her at all. Like you know
1: what? What's great is he he pay he's paying this motherfucker to clean his house and shit instead of like sending her on a vacation or something. like he's like, here's how we're going to like take care of you is getting me better house care. Yeah, <laughs> like like I got us all a gift. Of this butler to take care of my every whim. Aren't we all happy? Stupid. They finally figure
0: out that Malcolm is faking it because Opie notices that a whole bunch of cooking sherry has been poured down the drain. By the way, that's what he claims to get drunk on is fucking cooking sherry. Which Can you get drunk on cooking sherry? I guess. I mean, it is alcohol. It's... I mean a real difficulty would be, be like you swallowing can't... a bottle of fucking cooking sherry. It's not Yeah. Like it's basically it's basically vinegar, you know? Like
1: Yeah. Oh fucking A. Um so that's that one.
0: Yeah. I <laughs> it's mean Malcolm dog shit? Malcolm goes away and Aunt be is happy again because she yeah. gets to wait on these assholes hand and foot. Cause she's a fucking droid from Star Wars. Just fucking gonk droid, yeah. yeah. So that's it. That's that episode. Yeah, we we uh.
1: Ooh, What's boy. our time on that? Thirty three
0: minutes. We, ooh man. We,
1: yeah, yeah, we're we're trucking. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Uh, uh, do you have any tangents you want to go on, motherfucker? I th- I thought I had a tangent here.
0: Um. All right. Next episode. Uh, <laughs> next episode. Yeah. All right. Let, we, we can do some stuff with this. Next episode. The rumor. Season 4, episode 29, airs April 27th, 1964, written by Greenbaum and Fritzel, directed by Kobe Ruskin. Here's your one, well, two-sentence summary from Wikipedia. Barney starts a rumor that Andy and Helen are engaged after he sees them kissing in a jewelry store. He then holds a surprise party for the
1: bewildered couple. We've done this! Literally, Literally. this is the one that is a... Uh, at best at best a remix.
0: Like, we've done this before with one of Andy's other girlfriends and they stalked him like serial killers in, in the woods. It, yeah. It, it it climaxed with uh Andy and his girlfriend in the car just being hunted by uh surprise partygoers. So Attacked with that.
1: swarm tactics. Yeah.
0: I, I didn't I didn't realize when we watched it that, that was gonna be the more interesting version of this. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, that's what happens. Uh, Andy's wandering around town. He sees uh, he sees Helen Crump, Crump. In, in the jewelry store. Decides to pop in and check on her. She's buying a gift for her niece. The yeah, watch. jeweler is in the other room, and they just uh, we're alone. Let's have a let's have a little kiss. Let's let's just do a quick little sneak little kiss. And they kiss, like two fucking large mouth bass running into each other
1: we really get a window into uh into their relationship which um i would describe as uh japanese businessmen closing a deal um <laughs> which is like oh how are you doing today i am doing well wonderful let us uh enjoy our time together like just the driest like Like they are, every time they interact, it is like they are meeting for the second time, and the first time they interacted did not go very well.
0: (laughs) They don't like each other. No, they don't
1: care about each other at all. They at no point are they like, "I like this about you." I like this about you. (laughs) They're not. They don't have any sort of like back and forth. They're just. They're just mostly both basically like well you're a warm body <laughs> like that's it you seem to be an upstanding member of society so do you i'm i'm assuming that you're not going to murder me in my sleep as i assume with you well in that case let's begin a long-term relationship
0: i mean i've seen worse <laughs> so yeah but ba- barney is wandering by and he he happens to see the couple engaging in these very sexually charged kiss mm-hmm. and he i don't know jumps right out of his fucking skin He goes to the Thelma Lou and Thelma Lou is like well what's going on what makes you think that they're up to something and Aunt Barney yells they're kissing in the
1: jewelry store and and he says at one point like i deduced it and she goes Barney you can't use those big words with me you know how how dumb i am compared to you so it's kind of the mystery has kind of been solved on what the fuck is going on here, um, and we we got the piece to the puzzle, which is Thelma Lou kind of dumb, because uh, <laughs> Thelma Lou thinks Barney's a genius. Um, <laughs> so that explains how all of this has been happening. Where and, oh and she not all she's not all there,
0: and and Barney just keeps on like is, is happy to indulge that.
1: It's so condescending. And she's just like lapsed up. He's like, well, as a smart person talking to a dumb person, she's like, uh-huh, uh-huh. I'm the dumb person. Go on. Go on.
0: So they figure out that, oh, they were kissing in the jewelry store. They must be buying a wedding ring. They're yeah. getting get married, I guess. And Barney says, okay, don't tell anyone we know. I know that you're a dumb woman and you can't help but tell people. Cut to Barney telling Aunt B, which again we've done this. It was the yeah. same fucking gag, Aunt B. Uh, by the way, I, I gotta be honest here. Um, I know it's not right to make a whole lot of judgments, uh, on appearance, uh, especially you know, in black and white television. Mm-hmm. But Frances Bavier looks like shit these two episodes. Yeah, she looks like she's recovering from pneumonia. I don't yeah. know what is going on, but she is looks completely out of it. Uh, so, I I get the feeling she may have been drunk on the fucking set.
1: Yeah. She's enti- so
0: glass eyed.
1: They which do you think they just wrote around it where they were like, oh, Frances Bavier is hammered. So we need to write one episode where she's in a horrible depression and another one where she's crying constantly. She's
0: crying the entire episode, yeah. Maybe. I don't know. So God, this, the, this is, woman makes me sad. Uh
1: so the, basically the same thing happens as in the previous episodes where Barney just slowly tells everybody. And I don't think it's worth going into the specifics of it just because it's just every scene Barney Fife walks in and he goes, Andy is getting married and everybody goes, Oh wow. And he's like, yes. And then he walks to the next scene. And he's like, Andy is getting married. And everyone's like, Oh wow. And this is, he's done this before. And the thing that, Happened to Aunt B is the same thing that happened before where she fucking uh, melts. Just is yeah. like, I'm so happy. I've been waiting so long for this. This is everything I've wanted for so long. Opie will have a mother. My life is so fulfilled. Wait a minute. Holy shit. Yeah. These two episodes make no sense back
0: to back, right? If, mm-hmm. if Aunt B can't handle Andy getting a butler. What the fuck does she think is going to happen when
1: Andy gets a wife? Oh, she'll kill her. Uh, th- yeah, They'll just do it like the Brady Bunch, where, you know, they have the wife that doesn't do anything, and the
0: the housekeeper. and Yeah, she basically becomes Flo the maid, right? Like the live-in maid. Yeah. Which is, I guess, what she is now.
1: Christ.
0: Yeah. Oh, but yeah, she spends the entire episode weeping. And also, also... I feel like this is some projection weeping because there's the the one big change between this episode and the last one is Mm -hmm. uh, the the, the last time they did this plot line. I mean, is uh, a big plot point revolves around them redoing Andy's bedroom when he's not around. Yeah. They refurnish his bedroom because they like, okay, well, if they're going to live here, they can't like we need to feminize Andy's room a little bit.
1: No, sir. No, sir. They're not redoing the room for them living together. They are redoing the room for their, like, enga- their night of their engagement.
0: Yeah, they're, they're, they're con- their uh, the, they consummation. They're
1: like, we, we need, we need uh, this room to be perfect for when they plow for the first time. That is basically what they say of like, all right, so they're engaged, which means they're going to fuck, which means this has to be a very feminine room <laughs> for them to have sex for the first time in.
0: And Aunt B starts crying like,
1: I've dreamed of a room like that my whole life. I've wanted to be deflowered in a room like this my entire life. They buy another bed. They buy, yeah. them, a, they buy them a bed
0: with, the, with, a, with a cover on it. They buy them a bed with fringe yeah. and they haul it upstairs. Andy's bedroom is upstairs. What do they do with his
1: old bed? Why do they? <laughs> beds are expensive. Barney sets it on fire in their backyard. <laughs> They they put new wallpaper up.
0: Yeah. They've got a whole fucking crew working on this. And the cover for this the cover, like, the way that Barney like makes sure that Andy's not coming home is he opens up a file cabinet drawer too hard so that all the files fall down. And, and then, then he runs leaves and then bails.
1: <laughs> and then he just destroys a file cabinet and dashes out. Which it this in for anybody else would be the weirdest shit you've ever seen. And for Barney is just like, and for at this point, Andy is just numb where he's like, it's, it's like your dog shit on the floor where you're just like, Ugh, I'm going to have to rub his nose in that later. First off,
0: he only does it with one drawer and I don't know how big these filing cabinets are, but I feel like that has to be a job that takes 40 minutes at most <laughs> to put back together.
1: So, just to be clear so basically um barney says if andy wanted to tell us that uh that he was getting engaged he would tell us and it's not our part our part to ruin the surprise and everyone's like yes that is a very good reason to not bring it up and he's like yes so what we need to do is have a surprise party to tell him that we all figured it out and everyone is like I already forgot the first thing that you said, so this sounds like a great fucking idea.
0: Also, um, at this point, it sounds like a scam because he goes, Barney goes around collecting money and donations for everyone for the party.
1: One hundred percent. Like he, he goes, was skimming off the top on that.
0: Yeah, he, like he's like he goes around. He's like, yeah, come on, we're taking up a collection plate, and then he goes and buys fucking like RC cola. Like, <laughs>
1: He's He just uses it to do DMT out in the woods.
0: Like, like he has a couple of hundred bucks from everybody he's, he's, like, collected from, and he buys, like, two six-packs of PBR. Like, yeah. He did
1: it! Yeah!
0: Fucking bullshit. And you know it's bullshit, because like when he gets called on, he goes, well, I'm sorry I lost the book where I recorded everything.
1: <laughs> there was no fucking book. It's so good. Uh, And then everybody tells him how much he owes, and he starts immediately arguing with all of them.
0: We do see Floyd again. Um, Howard McNear can't get out of a chair. He spends the entire time sitting, which. I don't know. I mean, like. like ninety percent of Floyd's whole thing is being physical and walking around and being weird, so it kind of makes you wonder why he's even there
1: anymore. But eh, it's nice to see he, you, Howard. He pops up basically every fifth episode and just goes, "I'm I'm here. I exist still. They haven't written out my character." And Andy's like, "Obligating hey. my contract from marrying and, and Andy's just like, "Hey Floyd, you exist over there," and he's like, "I sure do, bud." And Andy's like, "All right, you don't come over here. You stay seated over there. That's cool." Like he doesn't do jokes.
0: Lloyd gets to go couldn't if I wanted to.
1: Yeah. Um uh fucking It's just so sad. The, but I mean, I guess
0: I guess it's nice to see you, Howard.
1: Glad glad you're doing okay. Uh so this this culminates in uh an absolute the the good thing about this episode as the pros the previous episode. Barney does this exact thing in the previous episode. Um and just ruins Andy's night. And then no, never finds out that yeah. he did anything wrong, and it just kind of has a great time. This one, thankfully, uh, it's a fucking car crash, and Barney is uh, wildly shamed by the entire community.
0: Yeah, uh, the the re- really the main reason I decided that we needed to do this episode is because Gomer straight up says, "Don't you ever fucking call me dumb ever again?" Yeah, like go- just. Gomer comes up to Barney after it's been found out that Barney fucked this up and they're not getting engaged or whatever and goes, "That was dumb. That was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Don't you ever call me dumb again. You fucking moron."
1: Which feels like cuz Gomer's gone in like two episodes or so. Yeah,
0: something. we get, we we got like three three Gomer episodes left, I think. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, and this kind of feels like he's like he's wrapping up loose ends where he's like, Oh, I'm no longer under the thumb of this uh fucking despot that's just constantly undermining me and ruining my life. I am free because I've seen him disgrace himself in front of the entire community. But all right, so before before we get to this, um, Barney's plan to stall for time for the party is um to torture Andy and Helen is to just basically say, we're all going out for lunch together, but we can't decide on where to go for lunch. I've locked you in the back of a cop car and I'm going to make you suggest places for us to eat. And then I will one by one shoot them down until Andy is like, I am so fucking hungry. I am ready to murder you. Yeah. yeah. So. You you, you
0: know, you know that conversation that you sometimes have with your friends or partners where you'll, you'll, argue like well why do you want to eat i don't want to eat this how about this place i don't want to eat that and you know how fun that is you know how yeah. everyone has a good time and it absolutely was not a contributing factor of my divorce like <laughs> 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 you, you know you know how that, that's a fun thing that now now imagine how much fun you'll have watching your favorite tv characters do it
1: this is basically like the barney fife guide to celebrating your friend's engagement step one Tell all of their loved ones before they get a chance to. Step two, torture friend for a prolonged period of time. Starve them in the back of a car. Uh step three, uh, initiate surprise party. Um, which goes It's fucking devastating, like real life devastating. Cause all of it Andy has to look the all of his loved ones in the eye and say, Oh. That thing that you were really happy about. Ampy's crying over there, by the way. Um, (laughs) Ampy, you're going to want to stop your tears of joy and turn them into tears of genuine sorrow because I have to break your fucking heart. Like, like, Oh, all my closest loved ones. I have to individually break all of your hearts by telling you that the thing you're super excited about isn't happening.
0: I mean, not only is it not happening, he kind of says, we haven't even talked about this. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like when you're at a basketball game and the kiss cam zooms in on two people who are not together. And like, yeah. you made you made a wild
1: presumption about these two. And
0: now everyone
1: has to deal with the embarrassment. It literally it has the energy of the kiss cam zoomed in on brother and sister. Like yeah. they yeah. react that way of like, oh, move that's the camera.
0: Mu- that's a much briefer way to say what I just went with. Yeah, for sure
1: every every second you're doing this is trauma go over there (laughs) no don't zoom in more please fucking yeah they literally they drag them up to their renovated bedroom (laughs) where they're like you're going to fuck here (laughs) when we're so happy about it as a community we're all going to be downstairs with tears in our eyes just crying just listening while you fuck (laughs) (laughs) i'm going to hug your child as you plow her i'm so happy
0: oh we should we should say for like the one saving grace of this is that they don't fucking tell opie they do not tell opie that he's getting a new mom
1: oh (laughs) god he would have like I mean, but this, the thing is, this is like the, this will be the 12th time this would happen where if they said like, Opie, you're getting a new mom. He'd be like, again? <laughs> Fuck. How many times are you going to tell me this? I'm not falling for it again. I'll believe it when I see it. He's, he's imprinted on so many women that have promptly bounced. Um. Oh, I, there's,
0: there's one part of this episode that we skipped over that I do want to talk about. Uh and that's like there's a scene between Helen and Thelma Lou. Uh so I guess this episode passes the Bechdel test. Uh but there's a scene between them where uh Thelma Lou is is trying to find out when they're picking up the ring and when the big day is. Uh and it starts with Helen walking a child home from school, just like a <laughs> young girl named know, Ethel or whatever, and she goes ethel goes home runs under a porch and uh helen yells at her goodbye ethel oh don't forget to have your parents put something on your sty." what the hell
1: was that just like, blowing
0: up your personal information just yelling this this adds nothing to the scene just you yelling a weird detail about this child's health and well-being styes <laughs> are gross i'm sure this small ch- this this preteen girl doesn't want other people to know about this weird gross, gross pustule on her eye what the fuck helen what the <laughs> fuck writers why did you put
1: this line was it improv <laughs> why is this line here why good in- night good night nathaniel remember to tell your parents about your shingles everybody <laughs> this dirty little fuck has shingles all right night everybody i'm a wonderful school teacher <laughs> i had to walk ethel home because i wanted to make sure she wasn't going to get her style over everybody
0: it's like if when your school teacher checked your head for lice they also aired that on basic cable like
1: what the fuck (laughs) anyway I i would watch that i would watch it and gamble on it just like be like oh i put i i got 300 on that little red-headed fucker look at him he's greasy he's got some up in there
0: oh yeah let's go ahead and and point us out opie for sure has head lice right like 100 percent uh i just i can't fucking understand any of this episode um other bits and pieces that happen here opie's trying to figure out why aunt b is crying all the time uh he has a bit where he explains what he thinks allergies are Because Johnny Mm -hmm. Paul Jason has allergies, or as he calls them, lurgics. Allergics. Mm -hmm. It's pretty charming. Uh, Andy explains that sometimes women just cry for no reason. (laughs) Maybe maybe she heard a song that made her think of something. uh, And Opie goes, well, maybe she's thinking of... Like, Opie doesn't show that he understands human emotion. Or that he understands human emotion about as well as any child raised by Andy Taylor would. But he's like, okay, so she saw the liver that we're eating and thought about last week that we had liver, and now she's crying? And Andy's like, yeah, sure, whatever, kid.
1: Sometimes a woman in your life just starts weeping over the sink, and you don't ask why it's happening. uh, And then in three years, she leaves without telling you, and those two things are completely unrelated. Uh, And that's just life, you know? By the way, haven't seen your mom in a while.
0: <laughs> have, have we gotten confirmation that Andy's a widower? And oh, she she's hella sh- dead. I, dude, I don't know. She may have fucking bailed because I would.
1: Yeah. I de- well. Yeah. Like. Okay. She. I'm may, assuming she,
0: she may have looked around at her life and been
1: like, "I have too much self respect," and fucking took off. Fucking. I mean, I've always kind of we've always assumed that she's dead, but. If that's the case, they are all handling that pretty well because it it wouldn't be the first time that
0: we've seen a woman disappear from Mayberry and nobody ever mentioned it ever again.
1: Yeah, it's true. Yeah, she might. have. There is
0: precedent for this.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because they never go visit her grave. Opie's never like, where's my mom? And Andy's like, heaven. Uh, It's they're just we've never even seen a picture of her. They just act like Opie sprang from Andy's head like fucking Zeus. Like, like you would you would think that maybe Andy would like have a
0: picture of his wife. Maybe, yeah, maybe still has his old wedding ring or something.
1: No, no. One time, as an explanation for where he is in a romantic state, just be like, "By the way, dead wife, yada yada yada. D- trauma related to that intimacy. And I mean,
0: this is the perfect episode to do it too, because like. Credit where that gets is due in this episode, this is one of the few times when Andy actually talks with someone about their feelings. Because after he kicks everybody else out of the room, Andy's like, hey, listen, Helen, uh...
1: Okay. All right. No, I need to interject here because this scene blew me the fuck away. Because this is the big romantic talk. And here's here is here's how it breaks down. Helen, Andy, you appear to be an upstanding member of the community, well-liked by the people around you. And Andy says, ah, yes. As with you, they all appear to respect you as a human being. And she says, that's very kind of you. Uh, I am, while I am in, in no, at this time not interested in marriage, I am open to the concept at a later point in time. Oh, I am very interested in my career and proper utilization of my degree before I engage in a long-term uh, marriage. And Andy says, we have reached an agreement. We have consented to a, to a situation that we are both satisfactory with. Let us go enjoy merriment. That's it. It's the driest. There might as well have been a fucking notary there to like stamp their agreement. It was so divorced of human intimacy that it was fucking nuts. That is like I they kissed, but it might as well have been a firm handshake. And then they go downstairs
0: and uh that's it. Like they yeah. have a party anyway, I guess. Barney owes a lot of people money.
1: I have I have seen this man have like more sexual tension with a car than with this <laughs> female character. Like it is absolutely bonkers.
0: It's so weird how like devoid of chemistry he is with every woman that comes on the screen
1: but it's not even Andy Griffith the actor it's it's the writing it's not his body language that's bad the writing always just writes him as like well hello there woman I am romantically interested in you would you like to fill out this form and sign it and tell me that you would like to be in a relationship no I
0: I disagree I disagree because like at least at the beginning like with early girlfriends he like had to charm them, right? He had to use his, like, southern charms and take you out and, like, blow on some grass to make it sound like a hawk. You know, Yeah, that fucking shit that he did. So he, like, had to have personality here. It's like, now that they've introduced Helen Crump, they've decided, eh, we don't gotta put that much effort into it.
1: Well, it really, it has, we've kind of, like, crafted this real-ass narrative of, like, he moved to this small town and he basically took it over. He superseded their mayor. He basically destroyed the entire government aside from him. As far as I can tell, the town doesn't have a fucking mayor now. It's just a I Andy. was about to
0: say, when was the last time we saw a mayor?
1: Yeah, he he gradually seized power. And as he was at the height of his power, he met a woman from his past who went away to Chicago. And he realized that his kingdom had become a prison. And uh, he's tormented by these bumpkins in his life. And now he's just with Helen Crump because she's a warm body. And and this is just where he is in his life, just listlessly moving through things with a woman who has at best a passing interest in him. And they're just both like, we're too good for this place. And we both know we're too good for this place. uh, And we're basically at this point, you're the only person I can stand to be around uh, who doesn't constantly piss me off, and that's enough
0: four more seasons, everyone
1: yeah, woof that's it's bleak this show has become brutal it's it's turning into King of the Hill in that like if you look if you read between the lines even a little bit, it's the saddest fucking thing you've ever seen a hundred and 25 more episodes by season six you're just gonna like start every episode with andy holding a gun to his head and screaming
0: hello and welcome to another episode of breaking mayberry i hate my life <laughs> <laughs> please kill me <laughs> i'm one of your i'm one of your hosts a miserable pile of secrets <laughs>
1: I'm your other host. I have no mouth and I'm a scream. <laughs> fucking A. Ratings
0: for, this, for these fucking episodes? Okay. Dog right. shit. Okay. Zero, both of these fucking zero Andy meter. I, I hated watching all I of them.
1: I fell asleep. I fell asleep the first time I watched them and then I almost fell asleep on public transport watching them the second time. Like, I almost missed my stop and had to go
0: (laughs) out to Allentown. You almost woke up in Allentown. That's what I was going to say.
1: Yeah. So it's that.
0: It's there. Um, It's a a trip to Allentown out of...
1: (laughs) Which, if you are local, you know how fucking brutal that is.
0: I mean, Billy Joel wrote an entire song about how much that sucks. Yeah. Barney meter, though. You know, right, Barney, Barney
1: meter. I,
0: I I'm gonna say some fucking high Barney meter for uh the Malcolm Merriweather episode. Because it's just like the it's... way it's 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 furthering just this weird, like idea of treating someone or taking the women in your life for granted and pretty much just like Objectifies is the wrong word, but it it it, it treats Aunt it, B as if she is an object that you can just take for granted, it, and per, even while pretending that you care,
1: it objectifies Aunt B in the most literal possible sense. Yeah, like yeah, it appliance-ifies her. Uh, <laughs> like it um, it, between these two episodes, it does paint the bleakest picture because also. In the uh, the second episode, there is the little nugget where she's basically like, "I always dreamed about being in a room like this when I get married." So they're kind of basically like, "All right, so there's there's going to be women in your life, and they uh, and they've never been married. They're they're spinsters, and they are pointless, of no value. <laughs> you need to give them menial chores because otherwise, they realize how hollow their lives are. So if anything, we're doing them a favor." Uh, that's basically like what the portrayal of this kind of person is. And again, like it, I think it's completely fair for
0: us to extrapolate their treatment of one character to the worldview that they feel like they should put upon literally everything. Yeah, simply like because of how many people hold this show as some kind of moral barometer, right? So for this show to turn around and constantly say, you can only ever be one thing and women can only ever be like half a thing. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, it is definitely some guy has yelled, uh, yelled this at like a woman be like, like your sister should be happy that we're letting her do chores around the house. She's yes. pointless. Yes. Like if we didn't, if we, if I didn't make her do my laundry, she should be dead. She's never been married. What's the point of her? Like, this has definitely impacted the way that a dude has seen the world. Many, many a dude has seen the world. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, that Malcolm Merriweather episode, I'm going to say Barney Meter 7. Yeah. Uh, The other one, I don't give a shit about this. Barney Meter 2. I don't, like, I can't, I'm giving it a 2 just because I hate it. It it bores me. Fuck you.
1: It's a (laughs) sequence of events that are deeply frustrating i know we're not supposed to do that anymore where it's a thing we just didn't like but fuck you it's 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 our podcast so we'll do whatever we goddamn feel like um so yeah it's uh, it's a two i'm gonna agree with that um yeah and that's it it's <laughs> fucking it
0: oh my <laughs> god we managed to squeeze an hour out of this okay yeah um <laughs> As always, you can get us on the internet uh, on Twitter. I we are at Break Mayberry. Uh, I am at Schneid Remarks. It's S C H N E I D Remarks. Although I gotta be honest, man, Elon Musk fucking it up for everyone.
1: I don't know how much longer I can stay on that fucking thing. I he, this if he ruins Twitter, it will be his biggest contribution to society for <laughs> a fucking mile. Well, he'll he'll set everybody free. Yeah, uh, in a way, I'm grateful. Yeah. He's uh, going to create like the Twitter currency that you have to buy to retweet somebody or some bullshit. Uh
0: yeah, if, if anything I, I'm 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 happy that he's like the moment of clarity for a lot of addicts <laughs> myself included.
1: Rock uh, bottom.
0: Uh so there it is. That's uh, that. Uh, BreakingMayberry at gmail.com. If you feel like dropping us a nice letter, don't forget to like, subscribe, rate, and review your favorite episodes. If you have not, uh, music was done by Max Ludwig. Uh, break On Facebook, join our Facebook group, Breaking Mayberry Fans. If you're Check not now, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Patreon.com slash BreakingMayberry if you want to support us with your money dollars. Uh, there'll be some changes coming to the Patreon um Arrangement which we'll announce very shortly, so keep stay tuned for that. Other than that, I feel like we're good. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for hanging out. We'll see you all down at the fishing hole.